0: babylon 5 podcast we are three young europeans who are too young to have seen the show when it first came out we are michael alex and leila we are watching babylon 5 for the first the unknown amount of times and for the second time and yes today we are talking about the episode born to the purple which i like to call born to be purple which also fits kind of well um I should summarize it right now.
1: No, first we start with our introductions. First
0: we start with our introductions, right. So our introduction question, Michael, would you like to ask our introduction question?
2: Yes. uh, Since the weather uh, where we are living is really bad for a whole week, uh, it's it's raining uh, cats and dogs for days endlessly, at least it feels like it. So, the question for our, uh, our, ourselves to answer today is where we want to be uh, in uh, fictional terms.
1: Yes, and uh, I've, I've chosen the obvious answer. We've been to the cinema the past few days a few times and saw the new Dune trailer. So, I would very much like to be on Arrakis right now where there's just sun and no water, no rain. It's just great weather all around.
0: I like how you said that we went to the cinema just to watch the new Tune Trader. We didn't watch anything else. That's exactly.
1: <laughs> exactly. Uh,
0: that was a good choice. I would have for a long time always said Hogwarts, but for reasons that we will not get into right now, I'm not saying Hogwarts. I will take my adult age replacement Hogwarts, and that is the hollows of Kim Harrison. That That is like a dark fantasy version of our time, and, and the hollows I would be around, uh, around Cincinnati right now with vampires and witches.
2: Yeah, and my answer, well, it would have been Hogwarts too. Um, We, before we started recording, Leda and I were thinking to revolutionize um, Hogwarts to make it peaceful, maybe for the first time since its founding. Um, but, uh, since that is a bit too much work right now, um, I would say I would go to the Shire and have a nice uh, cup of tea with uh, Bilbo Boitlin. If you let me in.
1: Probably not. You're too tall for Robert Hall.
2: I think I'm not as tall as Gandalf.
0: But he didn't let Gandalf in as well.
1: No, no. It's, <laughs> and you're not a witch, so it's it's this is going to be a difficult choice. But okay, do we have a summary for our episode?
0: We have a summary for our episode. As I have already started, it's not born to be purple, although I want it to be. Yes. In this episode, Londo and Jakar are trying peace talks and uh, negotiations about uh, the problems that occurred in the episodes before. But we see Londo not being very serious about these negotiations because he has an affair with a dancer. And uh, this affair turns out to be more interesting than thought at first because this dancer is um, hired by someone to get these purple files from him to reveal secret that could really shake up Centauri politics. And we have a little B-plot as well about an illegal call coming from Earth. I think that's a good summary, isn't it?
1: That's, that's about it, yes. And as usual, we will start into our first impressions with everything that we are thinking about this episode that we've just watched all three together, so these are all very fresh words.
0: Would you like to start, Michael?
2: Um... Well, I must say it is first of all just the two emotions. Oh my God, this is so cute! And um, on the on the other hand, I was laughing. So th- this was my my mixture mixture of of um, yeah response to this episode uh, most of the time. <laughs> I don't know how it was for you.
1: I mean, when we watched The Gathering and you said all of this reminded you a bit about, like, starting a sitcom, this is the episode that I was thinking about. This, like, okay, we are on Babylon 5, everybody is having his like, little thing going on, there are some emotional parts to, happening to it, it's all about the relationships of characters, and there's some hijinks going on in the background about the big politics. This is pretty much what I had in mind, and this is, yeah, rewatching this episode, it still it still most feels like, like, this is Babylon 5 as it should be.
0: Yes, I think it's a nice one. It's nice to watch. As you can really just sing it in the story. Um, and um, yes, but you can really just... I feel very close to some of the characters at this point already. Even if you just start the show, you just have these personal uh, um, yeah, uh, moments with them, which you can really build a relationship upon, even just as a, a viewer or as a character in the show. Like between them, it's also true. Yeah,
2: Maybe it's a bit of... Um action downside so a bit armor to to um create some calm before the storm since i don't know what the next episodes will be but uh yeah a, a, a little bit to to take out the wind off of everything
1: things have definitely slowed down like leila said all of this is still A little bit also of the fallout from the very first episode. We still see these tensions, border conflicts going on. And it's still mentioned in this episode once this is going to affect the fate of like a dozen worlds. But definitely we see that not every day on Babylon 5 there is this big galactic adventure going on. Things are much more contained in this one.
2: Though we have to say that Sinclair is again at the action right in the front where he shouldn't be. (laughs)
1: Yes. Yes.
2: Yes, and and also seeing because what what
0: in the end when they hide behind these boxes, what uh, London holds in his hands really looks like one of those, those plastic soils that you know you let children fight with it, like wobble around. I don't know how they're called, but that's what it looks like.
1: I mean, it's it's, it's especially stands out because we see in this episode Garibaldi delegating responsibility the entire way through and saying, oh. There was a shootout down there. I'm going to send the security team, like you suggested last episode. This is what he yeah. should do. And Sinclair, on this day where he very clearly could do anything else, uh, decides to um, go be part of the main action. But I mean, at this point, we're already talking about the the big action climax <laughs> of the episode. Maybe let's maybe let's start at the beginning uh, for for our discussion bit a little bit. And um, which of the two plots should we discuss first? Should we first talk about uh, the little side story about uh, secret communications going on or do we dive straight into the big Lando plot?
2: plot yeah because i i have to say i had a little fangirl moment when the series uh, the episode started um because i really loved the interaction between Jakka and lando where they're sitting in the casino and the dancer comes up uh, and uh you Jakar goes all in. So yeah, women are the best drinks to it. And uh, yeah, the yeah. Situation, I, just, I just loved it. I really, I had a going moment, I have to say.
0: I just told Alex that that is such a Slavic friendship. So <laughs>
1: <laughs> And it's it's so nice too. We've, we haven't seen them for an entire episode. So you kind of wonder what they have been up to. And yeah, there you see it. This is why we didn't see any of them in the Soul Hunter episode. They were busy in the bar and... From the looks of it, and what we hear about how long Londo has been missing his diplomatic meetings, this is an ongoing thing that they just kind of do, and that's that's just nice to know.
2: Yeah, I mean, especially when they sit together, when when Lando says, ah, sit, my friends, sit, my friends," uh, I, I I love this to see this that he was so vexed on 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 this dancer, that she put his hand on Jakar's arm, so sit down, sit down, so we can see it. Um, and, and neither of them has a problem at this moment where they usually would be at each other, don't touch me, go away or something like that. Uh, at least I would anticipate something like that. Um, and they just sit there, amicable, watching, drinking. Um, I mean, Sinclair is there, but he's so out of focus in this scene. It's mainly on on Jakar and, and Lando at this um, moment, and yeah. Then I, I f- I'm afraid I forgot her name, the female now. Nar- Kodath. Uh, yeah,
1: it's it's her first appearance.
2: Um and yeah, Jakar loses it <laughs> completely.
1: They're like schoolboys caught in the act in this moment. Yes, like he speaks yes, out his exactly. drink and he's just oh oh no, now oh, I have to do my homework yeah. again.
2: Yeah, I expected you in your uh, days. <laughs> I, I love this. I
1: really love this. Oh, my God. I mean, it's this moment where you can immediately see these two guys have chemistry together. Like, they they share a lot of the same interests. They have probably also the same aversion against sitting down and actually doing diplomatic work. Like, they are both very happy to, to just kind of uh, waste their time away there, which on one hand is very cozy to see, but it also adds a little bit of this tragic layer that... If they weren't in these positions, if they hadn't been born on two sides of the conflict, they probably would have been great friends all along. And this is sort of a glimmer of this that we get to see.
0: Yes, I mean, they share all of these interests and they have a chemistry and they share a lot of history just from opposite side. That's kind of interesting. interesting.
1: They do have something to talk about at all times. It's just a difficult conversation to have.
0: Maybe now while we are talking about moments, um because one of those at least very intense fan moments I also had in this episode, because the moment that I wanted to talk about when we were d- discussing the first episode actually was in this one, this one where Londo turns to Sinclair, my dear old friend, and Sinclair's so like, what the hell do you want? It <laughs> was in this episode, and I don't know why I thought it was in the last one, because this moment was always so so present in my mind, but yeah. That's you just missed my- it Sinai, yeah. yeah, because that's one of my favorite Babylon 5 moments where it's was just like, I know what she's doing and I hate it, but let's see where it goes.
1: <laughs> and I don't think anybody can blame you. Everybody that I've ever heard doing a very good Londo impression for his voice uses exactly that phrase to get into character. It's yeah. the character phrase for, for Londo. And especially in the moment that you mentioned here, it's it's also very genuine from him, actually. He's asking about help for finding Adira, the dancer that he's been so infatuated with. So um, it's 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 not just um, a part of the masks that he has on. This is actually something that he yeah, it's, it's genuine, does. it's a
0: genuine um, ask for help, but he does it in his centauri way. You know? Yeah, yeah. Playing the contact, playing this game because he's so in it.
1: Yeah. And it's also very easy to believe that it's a genuine sort of moment of affection because looking at him in the very first scene sitting in the bar surrounded by Sinclair surrounded by Jakar he would love for them to be just his dear old friends and just to share this and uh if if this was all he had to do in life I think he would be a pretty happy man from all we've seen so far um this is this is it for him
0: yeah another great London moment what I always put to someone who I have responded to uh, over our accounts uh in a comment i probably use the favorite GIF of uh, of babylon 5 that i have found because we also have the London moment in this episode of that the spirit and i love it more than anything and because it's a gift if, if i respond to anything you comment or write under our videos or post then i probably use that <laughs> a
1: lot <laughs> so and it's that... going to be a pretty good sign then right if it's yeah. a favorite one yeah
2: yeah and right to get in there i i honestly have to say just in this episode i would totally adopt Veer. he is so cute honestly what is wrong yes maybe yes. not just in this episode i think that could go on <laughs> <laughs> so okay okay no I, I i'm fangirling over more characters great
1: uh, i mean he had his first very big moment in in general like he represented the entirety of the centauri empire slash republic and he did so with valiant effort and uh, from what we hear in the episode they actually succeeded in brokering a deal so he seems to be pretty good at it as well yeah but yeah i i love <laughs> yes but i i love the moment when he was uh talking over the comms and he is so excited talking to londo and taking on this responsibility and in his uh great big face you see like the 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 fangs the vampire fangs and it's just this this very like predatory sort of traits that the centauri have which in in londo is almost like this reminder of of aristocratic background we compared it to vampires early on and on beer it's just the cutest little thing because he's just such a giant teddy bear and and so excited to do everything it's it's adorable
2: yes, I, I love this this moments that that um the centauri and the narn have in common First, Veer is playing this, or uh, daddling at this at this game he's having. Um, then Jakar is later holding it because he's so bored <laughs> that he took it uh, lying around there, uh, and that both Jakar and Lando to- uh, told to their, um, uh, to, to their uh, partners, don't uh, Give away the homeworld.
0: Yeah, just do whatever you have to do to get this fucking deal done. But just, yeah, that's <laughs> just
2: great. Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's like, yeah, telling, telling a child when you leave, don't burn the house.
0: Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Um,
2: And Amina once again shows that they have so much in
0: common, they were just born on the wrong sides of a conflict that lies behind them.
1: Yeah, it's actually quite clever that it starts on this personal level between Londo and Jakar, and then as the episode goes on, we see it's exactly the same between Vira and Kadav. The way that the ambassadors react to them when they first arrive, both aren't exactly thrilled to have their attachés on their both delegate to their attachés when they have more important things to do. Both attachés enjoy the game that they are playing. So there are very many parallels in this and probably some that Talia could tell us a lot more about having looked into both their minds that it's basically just mirrors of each other.
2: Yeah, I could could imagine that there were moments where she uh, was sitting there. Oh, wait, which one was the one who thought that right now? You or you? Uh, Whatever. It it doesn't matter, it's the same anyway.
1: I mean, even just as they are just sitting there, she decides to take a breath of fresh air to to get away from them. So I imagine it's it's quite exhausting, kind of like listening to people talking in another room and having to decide who is on which side of the argument. It can't be easy.
2: Yeah. What I thought quite funny, um, jumping more closely to the end of the episode... Lando, that Lando is quite the one-punch man here that he just hits uh, the the slave uh, owner. Forgot his name again. I'm sorry. Uh, just punch him once in the face and he completely is, he's completely knocked out. That usually don't happen that way. I don't know what kind of fist Centauri have, but Lando <laughs> certainly has a steely one
1: i mean from the looks of this episode he pushed about 20 years of frustration into this one one <laughs> kick, and then yeah in this one punch and then kicked him for good measure as well so i i think there was just it was all about the adrenaline of the moment or whatever equivalent the centauri have could... and i mean if we are talking about this uh, this scene already just to kind of conclude the negotiation part of this episode for the entire time we see like Londo and Jakar working against each other and not dealing with the diplomatic relations they're supposed to have and by the end you have this wonderful moment where Jakar learns that he single-handedly saved the Centauri Republic and his, his arc nemesis from from terrible embarrassment and just once again he has such a good way of stomping off and like awkwardly going around Londo to, to get off stage it's, it's beautiful I, I just love his mannerisms in, in these early parts so much
0: Yes and um I think in this episode we also, in these moments, already see what kind of, I mean, Sinclair says in the uh, uh, intro always that it's a dream given form, and here we kind of see this dream of Babylon 5 because you have these kind of super serious peace talks, but you have all of these sitcom-like jokes with each other when you just live in this overcrowded area somewhere. So really these moments between characters is kind of the function of the station for now really should uh, deliver for us, I guess.
1: And the way the episode delivers, this is obviously very funny, very charming. but they also throw this moment in where Jacquard turns to Sinclair and says, "Oh, I didn't expect you to be this devious. So there is some level of recognition where Jacquard has been bested in this episode to some degree. But this isn't as dramatic or as brutal as anything that happened with Ragesh 3. This is, yeah, a way of resolving this conflict that still very clearly uses some questionable tactics, but in the end goes over without much bloodshed and uh, leaves everyone sort of still talking to each other. So, yeah, like you say, this is exactly what Babylon 5 can facilitate, because this low level of interaction just wouldn't be possible if you don't have this meeting station and any kind of direct interaction between London and Chicago would only be uh, a meeting on an official level.
0: Yes, and also that you just have this... It's just so far off everything else that you have to live together on the station, or you have le- at least when you have an appointment there, you have to stay for very long. So you just build up these inside jokes with someone you would have never ever had the chance to build it up with. And you can find all of these little, little uh, uh, similarities that we've just talked about between species or nationalities that you would have never had anything like it. I don't know if it's it's that much fun in like, I don't know, Brussels or whatever, it sounds really cool. (laughs) But
1: I don't know. I mean, there's definitely a wealth of books about any kind of big capital city, about like people talking about the experience there and how much, yeah, just cultures clash there.
0: I mean, lunchtime at the UN, if there isn't just an invasion from Russia, somewhere it shouldn't be there.
1: Probably a fun time, probably a great time, (laughs) yes. But okay, we've now sort of jumped through the episode uh, a lot around uh, surrounding Veera and uh, the negotiations that were actually happening. And we ended up with Trakis, which is the name of of the slave owner. So um, yeah, we we have this plot about Londo's romance going on, which I find uh, very much feels like it's of the 90s. There, There are very many tropes in there where I feel like, okay, yeah, this is very clearly a 90s TV show. But then it puts some interesting spins on it. And, and one of the interesting spins, I think, is the whole idea that there is this sort of conspiracy by Trakis behind everything that is happening. With the whole idea that uh, Adira is a slave and slavery is something that exists in Centauri society and is contractually re- regulated and also can exist on Babylon 5, evidently. So there's there's a whole topic to talk about if you want to dive into this one, which I'm sure is going to be fun. But then also, um, everything we learn about the Centauri Society from that, how Londo talks about himself, talks about his life. So far, we've seen him a lot uh, talking about the state of the Republic at large and how maybe he, he would have liked a different career path for him professionally. But this is him for the first time, really on a personal level, diving into and confess- confessing to somebody how he feels about society in the Centauri beyond the fact that it should be made great again.
2: I think the important part is, uh, for, for at least for me, is that he's um, on a, for a longer time shown to be genuinely happy. Hmm. We have him depressed, we have him sarcastic, but not on a long term he is shown to be happy really with, from, from, really from the deep inside. And I think that was something, um, quite nice for me to see in contrast to his depressive state, to see that there's still something living and feeling inside of him and not just this, this deteriorating tattoos that you see the whole time. Totally, I totally agree. But I also just had
0: a thing that maybe at some point we have to counter often we do Londo psychoanalysis because it's getting interesting. (laughs) But but no, I, I totally agree. And I think it's also still a bit sad to see what makes him happy because it doesn't just make him happy that he is now dating a dancer or a much younger person or whatever because it's really when he is with Adira, he really is like on this nostalgia path but full time. They are like totally in this um thoughts of the old republic. Funnily enough, Atiha also has an accent. Yes. Because I didn't remember that I didn't remember that at first. I was like, okay, Lando has this weird accent and the young ones like V and everyone else who he doesn't have it, but no, she also has one. So there you can really dive back into this world where the old Republic meant the thing that he thought that it meant and where um, all of his old, old um, uh, ideals mean so much more, and that's the one thing that gets him happy and the one thing where we see him opening up like that. It's full
1: nostalgia. It's interesting that this is the the impression to God, because that's, that's very different from my impression, where I I I saw it more as him seeing a path where all of this just doesn't matter, and where he says well, I, I, I hate it when you talk to me with my title, I i I feel like just this washed up old Republican like somebody who has failed to to fulfill my status as a as a statesman, and I have to wear all of these masks, these titles, and I just i I don't want to imagine what it would be like if it was a fresh mask or a great one. I just want to get rid of the thing entirely, and usually, when I do that, I don't see anything below that, and you allow me to do this,
0: yes, but why is he able to do that? Why is he able to? kind of build this connection to her because she addresses him in all these old-fashioned ways and because she also has this this melody this accent to her voice I think that it's both there is this whole the whole nostalgia of I found someone who understands the world I'm coming from who understands the world I still dream of and think of and therefore I can go further
1: I I think I can I I can definitely see where this is coming from I I think it ultimately it depends on where you say. Does this connection come from? Is it the nostalgia that drives that, or is it a, a genuine connection? I think a, a case can be made for both.
0: I think
2: it's both. definitely both.
1: Well, we have a tiebreaker, Michael. What's your impression? <laughs>
2: um, I have to say, uh, admit I was um, exactly on your path, uh, Alex. Um, I do see the point. Um, to me, it feels more like he's trying to break away from everything. That, I mean, he's the, that he's just the individual, not, not the ambassador, not connected necessarily to the Centauri Republic, though he also, um, is happy that he has someone who can, uh, cherish the ways of the Centauri Republic the way he does. So, yeah, I would say it's could be both with Tennessee to to the individual part
1: and I think there are even more facets that one could open up where exactly is nostalgia lies because I completely agree with you Leila that nostalgia has to play a big part because the symbol of the relationship they have ultimately is this brooch that he gives her which is this heirloom from the olden days but then he talks about it. It belonged to a matriarch of his family who was a great woman of wisdom and beauty and such. And then once again, you don't know, is he yearning for the nostalgia of the old Republic where Centauri were just that way? Is it more of a personal nostalgia for this this uh, older member of his own family or where exactly does this lie? So we, we get to see some, some different facets to Londo that could play into this, which is definitely interesting to see.
2: And I mean, we shouldn't forget, he is, as far as we can see, more or less alone there. He has a and as far as we know, that's it. We we don't see any more other Centauri or, or people that uh, work with him in a closer way, so he is alone.
1: Which is interesting because the first time Viru shows up, Londo goes on about, how this is his entire diplomatic staff that was allotted to him by the homeworld and back when we first hear that it very much sounds like oh my post should be more important but then the way you phrase it now it's almost like yeah maybe he just wished for like 50 people to work under him because then he can just throw an office party every week and that's just gonna be something that he really enjoys so once again i don't know where exactly his motivations fall there uh, but but i think it's definitely an aspect that Yeah, he is very alone and Adira is a way out of that. And when you talk about how this makes him happy for a prolonged time, I think it's remarkable how mature he is about that, both with seeing this opportunity and taking it, but then at the end also giving her all the agency in whether or not she will pursue this or not. They have killed the conversation again great i bring up i bring up agency and people just die excellent uh, no no it's just on my mind because on on the surface of it adira obviously has a very clearly damsel in distress story where much of the episode for her is spent being captured by somebody and then other people have to scramble to, to to get to her but she ends very much on this note on saying okay londo it's great that we have this connection, this connection is still real, and I want to pursue it, but not right now. I'm going to go home, I'm going to go there as a free woman, I'm going to do something else. And I, I think this is maybe not the most typical 90s way of resolving this kind of plot.
0: Yes, but I think if there would have been any more actions from hi- from him towards a just freed slave, he could have never told that story anyone, because it would have been
2: creepy.
1: I mean, fair, that is absolute. That is absolutely fair.
2: And yeah, slave point. Uh, I f- find it quite interesting um, that this slavery. I mean, you you uh, already mentioned it um, a bit, Alex. Uh, that it's still it's op- obviously a legal thing that even reaches into Babylon Five. Yes. And which is on one hand, I mean, a bit, it was a bit shocking feeling. And the other hand, it was a bit, um, how should I say it? Um, yeah, it, it, it kind of fits to, to an old, um, Republic that, um, I mean, where, what, what is it built off? And from what we heard until now, it, it's a lot of, of um, exploration. It's a lot of um, bloodshed um, that that goes in there. So that this, I would call it a remnant of the old times, is still valid, um, It's somewhat creepy and on the other hand, it still shows. Uh, that the foundation uh, to me shows that the foundation of this Republic is still intact. It's just that glamour they, they put over all this is what is breaking down because it's no longer able to, to uphold these standards.
1: Yes. I, I think this is, this is a good way of putting it. This is really this slavery feels like a natural end point for how the entirety of, of, Centauri society functions. Lonu tells us it's all about status, it's all about accumulating wealth and collecting secrets about your rivals so that you can rise in the hierarchy. And that only works if there is a bottom of this hierarchy where people have none of that. Uh what what makes this interesting for me, especially with regards to the whole conflict we see with the Narn, the, the Centauri had a conflict with the Narn where they took over their homeworld and enslaved the Narn. But this is obviously not something that happens out of nowhere. This happens when a society already has these things established. So t- to me, it kind of makes sense that, yeah, before the Centauri made first contact with anybody else, they already had this very hierarchical society and they already had people that were enslaved and were seen as lesser in some way. And then going out into the galaxy enslaving other people like none is just a natural extension of what they were already doing. It's not something that just happens uh because they finally find aliens that they can see as lesser. And I, I just like that we get sort of an insight of how the society got to go to this point.
0: And I mean, we get a lot of more insight on how the Centauri society works, not just, um, this, but what I found interesting, um, is that they always talk about themselves as a Republic and certain so political science. I think for a Republic is more or less always defined on having a government that is elected in any way um, it can be elected from a group like we have a group of monarchs that can be elected to be like the highest one or whatever so i guess it is a society where differences are seen as naturally given because dealing with this information collecting secrets of your uh, uh, opponents and all of these things that you have to do to be successful to then climb up to the highest ranks of the republic it's like if yes, i've worked for it it's not like i have an empire who has a son who becomes an next emperor it's kind of has this half half illusion i think of yes but it's my right because i've worked for it my family worked for it it was not just given it was accomplished in a way and that's what may make the system feel so solid and makes the system stay in place because it kind of feels like the differences that they see among themselves where we have slaves or among other species where they just invade other worlds is like kind of naturally given
1: like right like correct yeah it 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 kind of builds on this idea that this position that you have in society is associated with some sort of merit which then makes it very easy to say well if you're a slave why is that well it's because your family didn't play all these games like Traka said he doesn't have to justify why Adira is in the position of being a slave, because, well, she has done this to herself, or at least the family did this to the, to themselves. And probably in the eyes of the Centauri, the way that she sort of got involved with Londo and Thou freed is also completely valid. Nobody's going to question that. No, she just succeeded in getting out of slavery yeah. because she, she had the merits of it. It's a cool career step for her. Yeah, exactly. It's... <laughs> And I mean the way that this is talked about, slavery for the Centauri in this uh, in this situation seems to be very much this. It, there's a contract about that. This contract can exist also to different species, like a non-Centauri owns a Centauri as a slave, and even that to the Centauri isn't inherently wrong if this guy is of a different species. But you know, just played the game better. That's fine. Then then he can just be uh, higher in the in this hierarchy. So it's it's it's. Yeah, it is an interesting take on on this sort of society where we see it's clearly not just based on some racism analogy where it's like physical features that define slaves or something like that. No, this seems to be very much this at least allusion towards something that has to do with merit.
2: And especially this kind of view makes it far more problematic to interact with other species in a diplomatic way. Because if they say slavery, it's a no-go for us, how do you want to to, uh, engage in diplomatic relationships um, when you consider slavery a completely normal thing and partly one thing that is up to your own?
1: Yeah. And I mean, this is something that Earth Alliance clearly had to deal with, like Sinclair has to kind of know that there are dance clubs on his on his station that are operated uh, and run by people that own slaves that is probably not a career move that he especially signed up for but this is something that he just has to reconcile and which probably is especially for him difficult because he has this strange double role of being both the diplomat for Earth Alliance but also the military commander I think usually uh, as somebody who joined the military probably didn't didn't get confronted with these kind of issues that be something for the civilian branch but in 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 this situation he just kind of has to deal with this and the way he does this is he's not commenting on the slavery in this society at all he he dresses up in a cool cloak and goes undercover with londo and and has his little action adventure which once again is very cute but might also be another point where we ask is this really the best use of the commander's time at this point
0: definitely questionable if it's the best use of the commander at this point but it also shows that this world i mean it's a point that i maybe bring up every other episode but that this world has no concept of common laws or common values between these species or nations yet they still have to build that because they need like a, f- a foundation like we have with our basic human rights, where it would which would include that no one is born to be worth more than someone else. No one can be enslaved. Uh, that has to be built up for these nations in space yet, and we don't have that. So we have all of these different, different perspectives that just collide there. And no one has also a legal basis to say you're wrong. They still have to work hmm. that
1: out. Yeah, I mean, we, we see that the benchmark for Babylon 5 at this point is no war broke out in this episode congratulations (laughs) (laughs) that's pretty much already the best case scenario the the past three episodes we got much closer to that scenario so
2: and and no one died yes so yeah right no one died
1: so yeah in general a complete win for everybody involved
2: (laughs) though i had a moment where this um guy talking up to um to to, them, I'm sure.
1: Kodath?
2: Kodath, Yeah, and he—it's the same guy.
1: It's the same guy.
2: And that he gets yeah. uh, thrown away each time. The first <sighs> time I was—I was thinking, oh, he doesn't—he's wear, not wearing a red shirt. It's gray. <laughs> Hello, <laughs> or this year.
1: It's kind but, of is. Yeah,
2: uh, but he didn't die. He didn't
1: die. <laughs> no, he made it. He seems to be used to it. Yeah, I have the strong feeling for this episode they hired like one stuntman, and they were like, "This guy is is here on set anyway. Let's have him thrown around the set for two <laughs> times and on different occasions. It's just fun." Um, yeah, I, I I absolutely love that this guy sees the commander of the station and two ambassadors and their uh, staffs there, and he's like, "Yeah, this is here. I'm going to try out my hotspots lying line on an arm. That's definitely going to go well, and I don't see any problems with this." Uh, so at least you know he's he's pretty brave and brazen about it. It's a uh, quality, I guess.
2: Yeah, I, and I, I mean he's obviously obviously uh, directly on the next one since he's uh, either buying flowers from these um, alien woman or uh, trying to uh, sweet talk her into something.
1: So maybe maybe it succeeded one time. Maybe this is a second date already. So. But, I mean, this is like you mentioned last time, these little extras that get, like, sometimes not even any line uh, get, get so many, like, background details in the show, it's, it's, it's quite delightful that even this guy has this mini story arc in between the two scenes that he's in.
0: Yeah, so do we have any more thoughts on this romance plot? Because I have to say, I always, I like Romans in shows and books in general. If it is not the main plot, I guess I like it here because it is used to tell a bigger story, but to really bond with a character, you just have to have this emotional uh, moments at some point. You have to have some intimacy. You have to know these things about that someone, even if it's just a love story from that path that you just encounter at some point. So I think it's, it's always good if you know how to use it. But it, it is it used well here? What do we say?
1: I think the show does two things that that help it a lot one is that it's never clearly stated but it's implied that Londo has been seeing this dancer for a long time this is a relationship that might have been going on for a few weeks or at least long enough that they have this routine that she is uh, has access to his quarters which I'm going to assume it's not that Londo like quickly called up Vera and he had then to kind of arrange this that would be strange and londo has time to grow her like a bunch of flowers on the station which is probably expensive so i like this effect that even though we don't get to know adira for a very long time it's implied that it's not londo he sees this dancer for the first time in the bar and now is madly in love for forever and ever that would be kind of strange and uh not not very believable and on the other end of the story i also like that he ends this t- entire thing on this note of basically say hey i i've been around the world for long enough to have had a lot of relationships and i've been hurt many times that i'm gonna be fine like this stings right now and it, this was probably my happiest time for a little while but i'm going to survive this so on neither side it's painted as this like massive big love story of his life and i think this helps it out a lot because like you said this sh- this episode is more or is at least in part about this conspiracy that is happening relationship is part of it but also for the characters in universe we get this sense of this is something that happens but it isn't the central focus of everything for them
0: yeah I was just thinking about it because um it's a bit off topic but maybe I can I can say it true because I was just reading a lot of uh, discussions and and uh, reviews and whatever on the Oppenheimer movie and I always came across people who were like, why are there sex scenes in it? Oh my God, we didn't need that. And it's like, it's a biography. You want to get to know a person. (laughs) So I was thinking, yeah, you kind of need these emotional intimacy moments. So yeah, that's always interesting to look at. While on the other hand, I'm reading a book where I'm totally annoyed by two gay soldiers because I feel like that is so, so misplaced there. I didn't need that information at all. So yeah, it can work out or it it doesn't. It's
1: okay. Especially I mean, considering it's the middle of the 30 years war and everything is happening and the author decides, you know what, we need a gay romance and this right now. In the yes,
0: ages. and it's such a straight writer, you just really,
2: okay, you have no idea how that works to you. It's,
1: it's wonderful. <laughs> yeah,
2: to to the point of a, um, a love relationship, I mean, to really see a character in, in every detail and what drives him and what's important to that character, are there other characters, other people, interactions are needed because they reflect, uh, in a way the person, the, well, the, the character you mainly present, um, and a romance can be part of it if the character is written as not uh, as, 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 um, as Um, so yeah, I, th- I think that it, it works a bit. A tad too cheesy for my personal taste, um, but I usually have problems with with uh, stories like that because I'm not a big fan. Um, but yeah, it, it it works. It's it it helps um, to to carry the character, to carry the story, to give more background to the world. So, at uh, it's a, it's an, an okay for me. <laughs>
1: And I think it also goes to show how well Londo as a character is already established, because we know about this guy, like, in the first two episodes that we talked about him, okay, he is a guy that's very nostalgic, kind of depressed, and he spends a lot of time at bars and in the casino. If I'm a guy that plans a conspiracy to get under this guy's skin, what else am I going to use but the dancer that he's inevitably going to fall in love with? Like, this is... Out of all the people that Londo is likely to interact with and fall in love with, it just makes sense. So like, even without having watched this most recent episode, we probably would have arrived at roughly the same conclusion if we want to figure out how such a plot would go. And I think for me, this is a pretty good litmus test that, yeah, this this kind of works. It just makes sense from where the character is already standing.
0: Yeah. Is there anything right to add to the main plot? Do we have anything else to discuss about centauri politics or about slavery? Do we want to say more about slavery? Are we entitled enough to say more about slavery in general?
1: Um, personally, the last thing I have for this plot is I would love to talk about one or two of the little sci-fi gadgets that this show introduces because I just think they are very fun and very 90s. Mm-hmm. One of them is electric gloves are a thing and nobody ever addresses it in this episode it's weird that this guy just has like a little exoskeleton like gauntlet that he has on that shocks people and he like casually brushes adira's face and like we see electricity like sparkling off her skin in that scene it's it's wonderful i i love that this is something that they just throw in, like, yeah, Babylon 5 is at the middle of the galaxy between a dozen different species that have been tinkering around with stuff. Of course, weird Tesla coil stuff is a thing, and it's not a practical weapon for anybody else, but this one single slave owner that uses it to intimidate people, it's great. I, I really like that.
2: Yeah, and he still manages in a way that he doesn't roast uh, any people's brains. So thumbs up for that
1: yeah like some very heavy engineering must have gone into this thing to be very painful but not deadly it's very yeah. specific
0: is it just like a normal taser that we can also use Taser, tasers
1: yeah but if it was a taser it wouldn't have the cool like electric effects that people would fall over immediately or do unconscious which he, he he wants to torture them a bit more for that
2: yeah i didn't think well unconscious but certainly with with specimens yeah uh, in, and to get in, that from a taser as well
1: yeah, the spasms yes but the electric yeah you shouldn't
0: it's just a visible tip.
1: it's yeah it's we, we humans are on our way there you say uh, great <laughs> yeah. good um and
2: i mean she he's he uses it on a centauri and the guy he's using the human guy he uses on it when's flying so there certainly has to be a difference there That's true.
1: This is good to see that there's biological differences between species, very subtly shown. I don't know if they did that on purpose or if the actors just acted it out differently, but it's, it's nice. Um, the, the other thing that I really like, and that might actually have some interesting implications, is she uses a mind probe on Londo. So we see here, clearly, messing with people's thoughts is something that telepaths can do, and that's great and on that occasion, maybe we want to talk a little bit about Talia's role in this plot because I found that actually kind of interesting but yeah, telepaths can mess with people's thoughts, but machines can do this as well, and this is clearly something that at least among Centauri and whatever species the, the Trachys was this is known and a handheld device that can be used, so humans are probably tinkering with similar stuff I'm going to uh, going to assume um, but yeah, the, the, the last gadget I, I want to mention is just last episode we kind of uh, said that the prop department didn't do the greatest job with the soul-sucking machine. I personally am a big fan of the star laces. Like these little glowing flowers that are uh, in this episode are, are kind of cool, especially because they have like these little Christmas lights on them which can't have been easy in the 90s uh, to do without an extension cord or something to keep them alight. So uh, I, I really like this little prop. Little glowing plants I as a sci-fi thing, is that's cool.
2: Yeah so i have to admit they at the very first moment i, I mean i knew it was uh, supposed to be some galactic flowers but i thought oh they look like some uh see-through squid on a stick
1: <laughs> so you wouldn't be quite so happy to receive them is this that will be long here okay
0: actually i have one more thing about the roman's plot i think all right I mean, because while I was watching it now, I didn't just accept what was happening. I was actually thinking about it more. And I was wondering, at what moment did Londo decide and what did he know? Why did he know that Adira was not just lying to him? Like, he was caring about her so much, he didn't want her to get hurt. He asked Sinclair for help. So, what do you think out of the things that we saw made him so sure that she actually liked
2: him back or didn't want to harm him? Intentionally. One part. Certainly the... Bush, the, the what, what, what is it? I'm sorry, my pronunciation is just... Yeah, say it again, please. The
0: thing that he gives to the sticky thing. The,
1: the brooch. Yes, the, brooch. the little... The, the jewelry part.
0: <laughs> yes, because because she gave it back, you mean, and he saw that already. Yeah. yeah. She yeah. would have
2: been... And, and, uh,
1: yeah. Uh... A thieving vixen that was just doing this to... <laughs>
2: That was the word I was searching for. Um, if, if she would be some, someone like that, she would have taken and said, hey, something uh, a little more for uh, my uh, little trip to wherever I'm going now that I uh, know that I'm free, um, but she does, uh, she doesn't, she, she puts it off and, and gives him back. Um, so I, I think that is a strong point there. That's true. then it's a
1: strong point. Yeah. I didn't even think of that. I was mainly just assuming there is no such point that convinces him. He just want, wills himself to believe that because this has been like such an important moment of happiness for him that he's just betting it all on that and saying, I'm, I'm just going to assume the best for this because anything else would just make me depressed again and and he just gambled and won which he's prone to do but no the brooch actually makes a lot more sense that's yes, a that good moment <laughs>
2: let's say both well in doubt both <laughs> yeah that was just the last
0: part and that that i had but no. so Talia's rule in this whole episode is up next
1: y- yes at least uh, i was it was standing out to me because This was the first time I feel like we saw her interacting with Sinclair on his own a lot. And Sinclair is actually a pleasant person around telepaths. He didn't even mention her being a telepath once as the main thing, at least uh, during the first interaction. So he was just like, hey, are you okay? Is this very taxing? Because I can imagine it is. And it's just nice to see that he has a complete um, conversation with her and is also... Uh, completely accepting of the fact that she could read his mind right now, but doesn't because that would be against the rules, and he doesn't have any of this inherent distrust against her that we saw with Ivanova, for example. And I thought this was just very pleasant to see from him.
0: Yes, but also because she kind of does it like he does. She plays by the rules. She doesn't want to, ble- to break Psycho rules, so she-, she just bends them <laughs> as far as possible. That's also interesting to
1: see. Yeah, it's interesting that if she wasn't a telepath, they would still be getting along very well, I assume, because, yeah, like you said, they are very kindred spirits in the way that they deal with their rules. And also the way that they are always dragged to the forefront of the adventure.
2: <laughs> yeah, but uh, also Ivanova, uh, Ivanova Talia is... Um, bending the rules as far as she can but exactly that's the same thing um Sinclair does in yes. this way yes so yes. they they are totally uh, yeah what of a kind yeah totally
1: and i also think um they they have the same or at least i imagine a similar motivation for getting into this when londo for the first time asks about sheridan uh, sinclair's help Um, Sinclair doesn't seem too excited to do this until he learns oh there's actually other people involved than Londo and this is something that might give me an edge in the diplomatic relations (laughs) and this is also the same uh, question that Talia asks when it's about uh, helping Londo, the first she asks are you serious about the fact there's this woman involved and then she thinks about uh, helping uh, bending the rules so they both also seem to have this, a similar threshold for when they are willing to do this. But yeah, the, I, I don't think there's necessarily terribly much to discuss. We talked about Talia at length uh, in previous episodes, but I just wanted to throw it in that she she gets a little bit to do in this episode and it's, it's nice. Yes, it's nice to
2: see that uh, she's still there because up till now there wasn't that much room she um, took in from yeah. her first appearance it was just hi i'm there and then you never saw her again at least it yeah. looked like this
1: and apart from this being nice for a character it's also good to know we we heard her title she's a commercial telepath what does that mean and now we kind of see okay she's involved in all these meetings and such and has to listen to everybody else talk and not say much on her own so that's gonna suck as a job i imagine
0: Yes, yeah, so the little side plot that we have between Garibaldi
2: and Ivanova. Yeah. Any thoughts on that? I have to say, not much. It's nice to see it gives Ivanova a bit more character or more background. Um, and it's, it's, yeah, that's about it. I mean, it's, it's nothing big. It's I mean it, it it gives Garibaldi a bit more to see okay he's um someone not string straight by the rules but that's also not really something new or surprising it, it it's a nice um slip in between the main plot to to lighten the the, the whole thing in a, in a different way
1: what i'm gonna say is it's very early in the season and in the series in total to get like a major character parent death scene like we get in this one like we haven't gotten time to learn very much about divanova and the one thing that we did learn is that her mother died and now her father as well and this all came like very quickly not much time for us to get terribly invested in this so i think this is at least for me what makes this from the acting and from the performances very emotional scene fall maybe a little bit flat because I just do not have this much connection yet to these characters Uh, so for me what's most interesting is actually the Garibaldi side of how he deals with this problem and I feel like we learn two main things about him here one is this guy is not going to give up on a problem that could be explained away he seems very compulsive and no this is the thing that i've been listening about it doesn't matter if gray 17 gets shot up or if uh, or gray seven it is in this episode if if like a, a different level gets shot up if my commander is once again jumping into the breach as the hero no, no i have this weird computer problem and i'm going to solve it and um mm-hmm. he pursues this uh up to the point where he has the mystery solved but then also we learn this is all he needed he just needed to know what is going on he's not going to report it he's going to be very respectful uh also to Ivanova about this issue he's not going to press it if he doesn't want to talk about it so it's it's not about like regulations or anything else he just personally needs to know and that's I I found quite charming about him that we learned that
0: yeah but uh, go ahead um yeah, I was going to talk about Ivanova, so if you want to say anything to Garibaldi, you can go on. No, just a comment. That's okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, because what I was thinking about is, yeah, we don't know her very well now, so it doesn't make so much sense for us right now. But we get a lot of character building for her because we already know that her mother died this tragic death. Um and now her father died. After they have not been in very good contact, and while her father dies, he she he also tells us that her brother died in the war. So right now it looks like there is no one left from Earth for her. So she really gets this hero character building that has no one left and has only this this job. So she's really like this. You yes. in that.
2: Also, it 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 what, it is what I like to uh, call a sappy background story. Um, because if always, if I read something like this in a, in a book, especially if it's the main character, um, it's kind of lazy writing to me because you don't have to think about uh, the family at all. You can just give a few indicators here. It is, uh, they, they did that they didn't get along very well and that there's no one left so you don't have to think about what is their interaction like what um built this character what what did the parents project onto their daughter um how are they influencing their uh, their life or anything they just cut it off completely and mm. ignore so it can be ignored and and um that they are dead That's the tragic in her life and yeah, I think you you see and get why I hate it if I see or read something like that because it's lazy writing.
0: Sorry. Yeah, so that's the great. It happens so early and hope there's something more to come. I mean,
1: if you want to top it even more, it also makes like for the cheapest possible hero character motivation of saying, ah, and now I have a death that I need to avenge and this is why I'm after the bad guy. I mean, the one saving grace apart from it happening very early on, is that I feel like Ivanova looks at her own biography and thinks exactly the same thing of, oh, God, I can't have anybody know about this, because, I mean, the one, the one thing we said early on about her character is that she seems very much like the stern exterior and very professional, and now we kind of get the confirmation, yeah, this is exactly why it is. She had some family deaths, and what she did with that is she went to the military and ran away from it against the wishes of her of her family. And that seems to be which which runs in her family her dad was terrible at dealing with grief and she was evidently as well and now after her father dies she probably dons her uniform again and also shows up to work so she's clearly not engaging with this in, in in any big manner um and yeah i for me it's kind of a saving grace that she has this moment with garibaldi where He's like, hey, do you maybe want to talk about it? Should we harp on this sappy backstory a little bit more? And she's like, nope, I'm good. I'm not going to get into this right now. But maybe later she leaves that door open. Um, so yeah, I, I completely agree that it's it falls into a, f- a few tropes that we don't really need in, in TV, even in the 90s anymore. Um, but who knows? We've got it out of the way, so maybe they will do something with it later on.
2: Yeah, the the problem I just see is that... Since these these emotions didn't really got carried, they don't read you as um, as the watcher of of this. and um, therefore, anything that builds on this will feel um, mushy. you you it, it, it just, I'm not sure how to how to explain it, but it just do, don't feel tragic, genuine or, if it's something she, she her, uh, that helps her to rise to, to something, to become someone better, stronger, whatever, um, it won't feel earned because yeah. the, the deep, strong, negative emotions were just randomly thrown in there on a sideline, um, and don't feel, they don't feel important if you don't give them the room to, to, um fully show themselves
1: no I I, I, what is happening here. I I completely agree that you, you couldn't have her like jump into Star Fury and then ah to avenge my father's death or to make him proud one more time I'm now going to have some superhuman feats that I can pull off like what we see is she she joined the military and she doesn't really deal with grief and this is why she's stern as she is but that's already completed. Like this is where we already are. You couldn't really build much more on top of this from this basis right now. Um,
0: so we see where it goes.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, the obligatory for me, to, the thing for me to say as somebody introducing Babylon Five for the first time is, <laughs> hey, JMS is a pretty decent writer. Maybe he <laughs> manages to pull off something interesting here. I don't know. Um, but I mean, we will see and uh, we will also see whether or not anything more that comes of this works for you or not. I generally don't know. Um, but I mean, for now, they don't give this plot a terribly huge amount of screen time and I think that is because they know it's not going to it's not going to be something that carries a big part of the episode uh, from this. Okay, like with the last one, let me think, there are once again like one or two props that I find kind of cute, Garibaldi reading a newspaper, for example, that's great, and if you look really closely, you see that it uh, has a big headline that uh, a home guard uh, leader got arrested, which uh, I don't know if you remember, but this these are the guys that had uh, the, the cloaking suits from the gathering, um, so it's, it's this like pro-Earth organization that exists, and hey, they are getting arrested so people are doing something about that that's great to see in in the universe today a newspaper and yeah new, paper newspapers are still a thing in the future it's great yeah that's so and,
2: interesting. your body's uh, the all uh, everything your Baldi cares about are the american football uh, source, yes. or i think
1: which so. are still around and uh, this this is a this is a spoiler i'm actually going to give you because you're going to have forgotten about it later on but uh, the fact that sports are being played on different planets with different gravities right now is a constant nuisance to Garibald because it skews any kind of results terribly much. So, yeah, he has a lot of u- uh, reasons to be excited about those. It's it's great.
0: So, the tapestry.
1: The tapestry. As always, we are going to spend the last part of our discussion talking about everything that keeps on 5 together because... It's not quite a typical 90s show, but it's also not a modern show from the streaming era. So where it falls in terms of serialization is kind of difficult to say. We want to kind of see what it is that is continuous about all of these episodes, but also where they are very episodic, where it feels much more like 90s TV. And as always, we're going to pull up our beautiful graphic of the tapestry. And for future reference, I should probably actually physically pull it up for us as well to look at so that we have a, a little bit more of an idea but I think the main through line that we've been talking about so far has been the relationship between Jakarta and Londo and I think this is where this episode really also shines because it adds a lot more facets especially like we already talked about the mirroring of these two characters and even these two cultures of each other does this work for you as a continuing thread and also in general like? Looking back at the um, first three episodes that we've seen so far, did this episode feel like a natural continuation to you, or is it more of an episodic story that you would see as something that happens on its own?
0: When I watched it for the first time, I have to admit that I felt like it was more like an episodic, I don't know, just happening on its own, just like this little love story that London has going on. I felt like the plot with Ivanova, as well as the peace talks, were just build around to make it feel like it fit together. Because it's all still very thin, because it's just beginning. So I felt like we want to have this love story and it kind of just has to fit into the world. So we just put it there. That was my first impression. By now, I, of course, see more connections, but at first that was what
1: I... I mean, apart from, from Londo and Jakar, what it adds for me also onto is, well, like we said, Sinclair gets a little bit more of hero time. That's still a thing going on, and we see how that plays out when it's not Garibaldi paired up with him who calls him out on that a little bit. Now we see that Londo also is a little bit of, uh, of somebody who has fun donning the cloak and going down there and also says, hey, let me deal with this, which, um, oh, this is an episode, uh, a scene we didn't talk about, but my favorite character of this entire episode might be uh, the gangster alien smoking a cigar who owns the nightclub. I absolutely love him he's so slimy and greasy and so much out of his time it's beautiful and he's so american yes he, he has like he is a new yorker you can tell it's great he
0: uh, he always reminds me of one of those um scenes uh, scenes that take place in uh, star trek next generation in the holodeck where someone is in like a, a uh, 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 detective story or whatever, and you have yes. this gangster boss talking in this old static that I will not even try to do, but...
1: this see, Babylon 5 doesn't have any holodecks, but people still have the same affection for 20th century Earth, so they just <laughs> go fully in on that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I like this as another exploration of how big the station is, how the station works, and what are all the different aliens that we meet there and i think trachis and this guy are supposed to be of the same species i'm not sure their, their makeup looked uh, fairly similar there are still a lot of very one-off makeups that look like generic galactic community but i think the more the series goes on the more we will see some recognizable faces maybe maybe also get some hats to put on some of these uh, different different aliens but okay Then I think we can have the much more interesting half of the tapestry, at least for this beginning season. Are there things of this episode that you think could carry on through? And the most simple question is, do you think we will ever see Adira again? Because we get the teaser that, you know, when she's ready, she might come back.
2: Honestly, no.
0: I have hope. I I had hope. I mean, I know. I know, no. But but I I
2: I hope. Hope. Let's say hope. (laughs) No, I, I don't have any hope we'll uh, see her ever again.
1: She's a special guest on a 90s show, there's no chance. Yeah. Okay, that's a fair okay. point.
2: Even, even in, uh, in, in modern shows uh, or series, I, I usually say, okay, bye, to never see you again. Um, because, yeah, it's it's just the regular way of getting rid of characters.
1: I will go against that and say we know that Londo is usually pretty depressed and you were already asking as one of the threads for the very first episodes will we ever get to see Londo get out of his depression and knowing that this is a show where characters are actually supposed to develop is if we ever get to see him go out of this depression she will have to play a role in that because this has been like you said the longest time we've seen him happy so uh, there, there has to be something about that. Otherwise, it would be it would be a shame to introduce like a whole different love story just for him to discover the same happiness again. So I'm, I'm going to advocate for hope on this front and see, uh, see where that leads us. The other hero, I'm
2: alone in the dip, uh, 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 yeah, depressive corner.
1: Yeah, exactly. This is just because all of the rain outside. Uh, you can't let that get yourself down. Um, the other characters are Kodav and Vir, the two attachés that now for the first time had a little bit of screen time and will this be the epic starting point of their long journey to maybe becoming successors to, to the Ambassadors? We both saw them for the first time in Diplomatic Action. Is this going to be a one-off gag? Although we maybe see more of that.
2: Considering the character of lando i would certainly say, say Veer will have at least a few other goals moments uh by Jakar, i'm not sure though i would love to see uh kodal and Veer sitting together and uh just just with with i don't know a lot of alcohol on on the table and oh my. They they are so hor- horrible. How how did we end up to work for these people? <laughs> Something like that. I would love that.
1: I but, mean, uh, this would be very fitting because we already talked about how London and Shahar could be great friends, but they're on the wrong side of history from each other. So they have all this history. Maybe uh, Kodath and Vera both from the younger generation that maybe has not as much nostalgia for the old days, not as much baggage maybe this is going to be the key difference that they actually manage to bond over something like this. That would certainly be interesting. And I like that you found a very diplomatic way of saying, oh yeah, Vera's going to have more moments because Londo definitely needs more help. He's not going to be able to manage this on his own. That's very good.
2: I, d- I thought more in the direction of there are uh, will be certainly other av- uh, aversions taking him away from the... Diplomatic table,
1: but yeah, I I I can see that he's he's gonna gamble all of the money away or something like that, and yeah, this, this is probably not gonna be his last time. Uh,
2: right, there's still money left. we can't lose.
1: <laughs> Why do you, <laughs> you think <laughs> the Centauri Republic is failing? Right, <laughs> like it's just everything that he spends. It's gonna be a shame.
0: Another thing that we can think about is whether the peace talks were actually a success. Like, is there? A kind of understanding between them. Are we going to see how the relationship between the Nan and the Centauri is going to get better, or is there another kind of showdown
2: waiting for us?
1: I mean, this so all depends.
2: The I Len mean, doing all the time, watching it burn.
1: The <laughs> and Kosh, for that matter. We expected <laughs> him to engage in some trolling, and so far he's just stepping back and watching everything burn. Yes. <laughs>
2: Maybe they share another. Uh, they they are the ones sharing the popcorn this time.
1: Yes, they are like watching TV, the CCTV from the re- negotiations, and just having a blast for that. But I mean, though, no, to to give an an honest answer to the to, to to your speculations, there, I mean, that kind of depends on how well Jakar does his job, right? And and how he sells basically the result of this negotiation to his own government is he gonna say oh you know I got I got tricked by the commander of Babylon 5 and now we have to make concessions on the sector so my bad uh, if he doesn't like that they're probably not gonna be very happy with it but maybe he packages in a way that he says oh no after hard negotiations this is what i came up with and
0: cement so... if you're talking about the tapestry really like in the long run okay. do we believe that any progress that we made today will actually lead to a better future or are we going to discover that the universe is a bit more messy than
1: that but... That seems like a loaded yeah. question
0: yeah maybe there's a yeah but that's just you know a question that i think is open at this point absolutely so are we for a messy
2: universe
1: i mean mike what do you say <laughs>
2: I'm pretty sure it is far messier than uh, one would think at uh, the very first glance, because it always is, it's never easy. And there's not one, that one solution so messy.
1: Yeah, and I mean, we saw a single small skirmish take place in the first episode and these negotiations even though they're not specifically about Ragosh 3 I very much feel like there's still a fallout of that so we get to see this idea that this problem hasn't magically reset after 45 minutes this is a very serialized part of the show so yeah this problem is still going on and if if this single skirmish caused such long term problems then very likely the same is going to hold true for the entire conflict that they had at the back so as much as Londo and Jakar get along in the bar At some point, they have to pick up their jobs again and then this it's never that easy.
0: Good. So, next week...
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, this was your chance and you blew it. Okay,
0: next week we are talking... Next? So, next week we are going to talk about the episode titled Infection. Um, and we'd like to remind you to like this video, to maybe share it if you thought it was great and to subscribe to our channel. You can also find us on Instagram and on Twitter and on Facebook, where we also started our own group. And we would like you to come in to ask any questions that you like. We will respond to everything. And um, we also have a question for you that you can vote for in, on all of our pages and our channels and everywhere. We would like to know what you think about romance in TV shows and in movies. If you like it, if you don't like it, you can vote and maybe leave your opinion in the comments. We will also pick up those response and those uh, uh, options that, that won from those polls. It may take some time because we are recording in advance, although we not that far advanced at the moment as we wish to. It will take some time until we pick it up and we will get back to it, to everything you write and say.
1: Yes, and I think that does it for the most part for us, except Uh, If Mike has some parting comments?
2: Uh, Not really.
1: Last time you were so good reminding people to ring the bell and everything, but no. Um, The last thing to add, maybe uh, you can find us, of course, here on YouTube, but uh, our podcast is also available on uh, Amazon Music now, on Anchor. You find all the different links also to Apple, Pocket Podcasts, CastBox, all the places where people find podcasts we are. Available as well. And we are very much appreciative of reviews and star ratings and everything that you can do to spread the word about one more voice of Babylon 5 experience. All right, I think this does it for us, and we'll see you hopefully next week.
2: Thank you for listening in.